This is the Unity Community of Central Oregon podcast. So I have to say, I am beginning to feel like every time I, when I sign up for one of these Sunday talks, it's become hazardous to my face. So if you, if you remember a while back, I came in all puffed up because my bees got me the day before. Well, doggone it, yesterday morning, my morning ritual at my little home is kind of like feeding Noah's Ark. I go, you know, I get up, I go out, I put bird seed in the, in the seed, put some peanuts out, and then I put two different corn cobs on these little stakes for the jays and the squirrels. And the, they've just been like piranha lately going through that corn, and also the cobs I had were big, so I've been breaking them in half, right? Well, yesterday morning, I'm rustling with this corn cob and it won't break. And so I put it over the rim of the um, small garbage can that I keep the peanuts in. And right behind that is a shelf with a big terracotta pot on it. And this was so stupid. I'm pushing down with all my might. And when it broke, I went, and my eye just went, bam, on the terracotta. So if you were to really notice, this eye is puffed and black. Oh, it was just I was like I was like dad gum it again right before right before a talk and I was I called John this morning he called actually called me um, my, my partner just wishing me luck for the talk and I told him what happened I explained it and I said darling it looks like you punched me and and he and he super gentle nonviolent John in this moment of macho says Sil if I'd have punched you you wouldn't be going to unity right now. <laughs> So I got a kick out of that. I think the next time I'm signed up for one of these, the day before, I'm going to lock myself in my house. I'm not going to handle any sharp objects. I'm going to wear a little helmet. Protective goggles. Yeah, protective goggles. Okay. In this setting, there were about 15 people seated together in a circle on the floor. It was in Seattle. And it was in like the top loft of um, an apartment complex, but it was a smallish room and it had no furniture. It was very dimly lit and sage was burning from a bowl or a, or a shell in the center of this circle of people. And it was already starting to get pretty, pretty smoky in there. And um, there was a very faint drumming that was coming and it was coming from a Native American man who was kind of the center point of this circle. And as we sat, the drumming intensified and you could really begin to feel it in your body. And the only other sound was every once in a while a woman would kind of, um, kind of crawl forward actually and fan the sage with, uh, with a, a fan with a, a, made of a bird's wing to get the smoke really going. And it was a meditation circle. And it got, we got deeper and quieter, and the drumming became the center point for sure of awareness. And at one point, um, I lost track of the boundaries around my physical body. I expanded into vastness and into oneness. It felt as though, it felt as though I could sense being an integral part of the web of all creation and all life. It was actually my very first conscious, I now know it to be, mystical experience. 
and it was so powerful and compelling for me. Now, that feeling felt very much home to me, but I was a long way from the religious background that I had been brought up with, and this is what Naomi and I share. We both come from pretty heavy-handed, I've told some of you some of the story, but very heavy-handed, fundamentalist, fear-based um, version of Christianity, because not all Christianity is that way, but mine, mine was. And I left that version of Christianity pretty angry and pretty messed up teenager. Um, really, really struggled for a couple of years, but pretty soon I wound up, I've always been a spiritual seeker, even when I was rebelling against the whole thing, and I wound up on a quest for authentic spirituality. And today is gonna to be a little different kind of a talk from what I've done in the past, and I probably will leave you with more questions than answers, but I hope that there will be at least nuggets for each of you, because I think we're all on a quest for authentic spirituality. And um, I have learned, when I left the, that one pathway, I really began to experiment. I have studied and experimented with goddess religion and Wiccan and all kinds of Native American stuff and Buddhism and Hindu a little bit and really just was hungry for it all. Uh, and I, what I have come to be so fascinated with are not so much the differences, but the threads of truth that thread through almost every spiritual pathway. The doorway into the spirit realms that resonates most strongly with me is an eclectic blend of, of a more indigenous approach, a more indigenous way of thinking about um, spirituality. And before I go on with the rest of my talk in honor of this, and thank you for reading our mother prayer, I want to do a land acknowledgement. Because right now we are in, and we're coming to those of you online from Central Oregon, which actually is land that was traditionally stewarded by indigenous peoples here, who were actually forced together against their will. Several different tribes with different cultures were forced together into what is now the Warm Springs um, tribe, and they had to learn how to adapt and integrate. And so I want to acknowledge this place, I want to acknowledge the indigenous people that came before us, the land itself, and I want to affirm that in unity, we all come together with healing of past trauma and current trauma and healing of the land together. Now some of the key concepts from a more indigenous approach to um, uh, spirituality that resonate with me is a sense of interconnectedness not being separate from everything else. I loved your prayer when you brought the awareness of the animals on this property. You know, a sense of not only are we interconnected, we're interdependent. We need each other, both other human beings as well as other species. All things are seen to be alive, from humans to dogs to trees to rocks. There is life in everything, and all beings are said to be sentient, 
They've got wisdom too. We're all here to teach and to learn from one another. That right there for me, moving through the world with that sense, it adds so much richness and magic and potential to every encounter I have. I just encourage you to try it, even if, even if you're like, I don't know if this rock is listening to me. What do you got to lose, right? What do you got to lose? You don't have to do it when anybody's looking, you know? <laughs> uh, another of the practices that I love that's very common in a more indigenous approach uh, to worship, to spirituality, is honoring of the seasons as they come, what I call the turning of the wheel. Now in my house, I have a little altar it's a little half table that's pushed up against a wall, and on the left side, left to me, um, I have it set just a simple candle to the feminine, and the right is to the masculine, and I have the four elements, earth, air, fire, water, and when each solstice or equinox comes around, I change out the altar just a little bit, and I, alter, I honor that season. I like that for the remembering of our earth connection, but it, I also love it because it's a way of remembering the seasons that we go through in our own life and in our own evolution, even in our own, the seasons we go through in relationship, the seasons we go through in, in, in projects. Now, I'm gonna talk as we go through this a little bit about, I'm gonna highlight and contrast some of the difference between indigenous mind and Western mind. That's the culture that we're primarily uh, immersed in. And I wanna make, I wanna say right up, I'm not gonna romanticize, and I'm also not gonna criticize. I don't think there's good or bad or anything else. This is just about awareness and thinking about things a little different and maybe becoming a little more aware of the lens that we are applying to things. Now the Western cultural mindset that is, that is the backdrop that we're mostly swimming through um, it's really based a lot on individualism. We're seeing, there's the rugged individualist myth of America, for sure. Uh, competition as good, you know, competition, comp competitive markets, competition, uh, survival of the fittest, that's very much a part of this cultural norm. Uh, dominion, it's about having power, gaining power. It's pretty hierarchical. We tend to have really hierarchical um, governance structures and ways of, ways of, of um, managing ourselves. Uh, and in Western, in Western tradition, the initiation myth is usually the hero's journey. And it's often, it's often portrayed as this quest to overcome an enemy, which very often is nature or the elements or something like that. This is the, it's kind of the hero's journey quest. In contrast to that, a more indigenous view would be that, again, as I mentioned earlier, all life is interconnected and interdependent. We don't follow the necessarily the rugged individualist um, mindset quite as much. And, uh, and it's, a, it's much more mystical, which means all mystical means is that it's about having a direct experience yourself with your creator, with your God, whatever you call it. You don't need a priest, you don't need a minister, you don't need anyone to tell you how to reach your spiritual evolution. The indigenous approach tends to be more about you gotta get out there and find it for yourself. You gotta experience that directly. 
Um, and it also, this will resonate with unity and new thought, it also very much holds that our focused, concentrated thought is what our whole reality comes through. It's what, they often talk about the dreaming. We're, we're dreaming our lives into being by what we are holding in our mind. That's very aligned um, with unity. And in fact, I would note that Charles Fillmore, one of our Unity founders, actually spent time as a young person living with Native Americans and um, commented on that a lot about how it shaped his, his view and his own direct experience of source and of oneness. Now recently, I have been um, really studying the more, a more Polynesian or Hawaiian version of shamanism. And I'm so glad the Kubotas are back and are here because I told Kevin, if I get anything wrong, you know, uh, let me know. But I have been really, really lucky that about, starting about six years ago, I started studying A Course in Miracles with three other women friends. Talk about Claire's point about girlfriends. We have, and I only knew one of them through environmental work before. The other two, we were total strangers to each other. We have now become dear, dear friends, and we have kept that study group together for six years, studying a whole variety of things, all the way through the Course in Miracles, and then we did work a bunch with shamanism. Um, we now just call ourselves the Coven. And, it, and in fact, we, we now call ourselves the Coven of Lovelies. Why not? <laughs> Why not, right? Why not? Who's going to say we can't? Um, and so we've, we're right now working with this book that I want to share some, some wisdom from today. It's called The Bowl of Light. And the story of it is kind of interesting because Hank, the author is Hank Wesselman, who is a scientist. He recently passed, actually, but he's a scientist, uh, very well-regarded um, anthropologist who, li who lived with, he very much comes from the Western mindset, right? That's how he was trained and raised and, and um, educated. But he wound up doing a whole bunch of work living with indigenous people in Africa and elsewhere. And, and he began to have an, a shift in his way of thinking and had kind of a significant period of cognitive dissonance when his scientific mind was making him go, wow, I don't know about this, but he's also having visions and powerful insights that he could not deny were real. And he has a number of books talking about navigating through that. In this book, he describes the relationship that he had with an elder Hawaiian kahuna, which is an, a wisdom man, um, named um, Halimakua. And I just want to share some of the pieces that I think are fabulous. So this elder, this kahuna, he, he, he outlines a philosophy that includes three what they call kapus. They're spiritual directives. The first is to love everything with humility. The second is to live everything we feel with reverence. And the third is to know all that we possess. So I'm gonna take those each one at a time a little bit and riff on them just a little bit. So um, loving all that you see with humility. I have had the good fortune to be in Hawaii quite a few times and the first time I ever had a close encounter with a whale was there. And John and I, my partner, we had, we had uh, rented a, 
uh, two-person kayak. We had seen whales spouting in the distance, and he and I are pretty athletic, so we were not too afraid to go quite a ways out. And um, we start paddling out, and I, I was, I, I had wanted, back as a kid, I actually thought I was going to be a marine biologist. I have had such a love affair with, um, kind of all things marine, but whales and dolphins hugely, and I had never seen one really before this. So we start paddling out, you know, and we can see them way over there spouting, whatever, and I'm just saying, whale people, whale people, if you don't mind, if it would be good for you, I would be so honored by a visit. I would be so moved by your presence. And I was just putting it out there, right? And all of a sudden, we see one breach, I don't know from distance from here, halfway through the parking lot, right? Pretty close. But it breaches. And then it breaches and it breaches. And every time it did, it came closer. It got to the point where when it would come out, you could see the water falling off it and the, and the crinkles in the blubber. And when it landed, even though we were already in a rocking, the rocking ocean, it would rock the boat. I was just, I had no fear. I was just crying. That to me was reverence. There was no word. There, and there was, it was just the magic of opening to the incredible creation that I was lucky enough to be part of. As I was preparing for this talk, I got to thinking, love all that we see with humility. What is humility? I now think we could do an entire course on what is humility. What is meekness? What is humility? It's not, I don't think it has anything to do with making ourselves smaller. It doesn't have, in my opinion, anything to do with not putting the allness that we are out there. You know, A Course in Miracles has a really interesting teaching that it took me a while to really get my mind around it um, and let go of my old baggage. Um, but it says it's not, it, it is not arrogant for us to know that we are all this, to know our grandeur. It is not arrogant for us to say, yes, I am fabulous and powerful and awesome. It's actually arrogant to believe anything else. Because when we believe something else, we're believing that our version of reality is more accurate than God's version of reality. Humility to me, I believe, is, is, abs is actually the magic of being able to say, there is so much more going on here than what I'm really aware of. There is so much more in that spider right there than what I can even comprehend, and isn't that awesome? It's radical humility. It's not about making ourselves smaller. The second is live all that you feel with reverence. And this elder Kahuna said that this is actually the foundation stone of indigenous mind. Live all that we feel with reverence. It seems pretty easy to me to get my, my mind and my feelings around the good stuff, right? When I'm feeling the good stuff, I'm so, I'm revering that good stuff. I'm liking that. But when you go a little deeper, don't you think that, that the appreciation of our joyful moments are made more poignant when we can remember some that weren't quite so joyful? You know, 
I, I don't believe, I'm not a person who believes that we have to have a bunch of suffering in order to grow spiritually. I think that's a story we can get into telling ourselves. I don't think that has to happen. But I do think that when we are going through the hard stuff and we can revere it, it, it enriches our life and it does propel us forward. So feeling everything that we feel with a reverence for it. I also would note here, um, when you're raised in the kind of background that, that uh, Naomi and I were raised in, you're often told it's very important to worship God, right? It's supposed to worship God, and there are many ways to do that, and boy, if you're not doing that, you're on the highway to hell. Literally, for those of us who were there, I actually believe once you get, once we get more into an awareness that, like Unity's principle, God is everywhere in everything and present. I now feel when I just have my breath catch at the beauty of our mountains and notice I'm worshiping God. I'm worshiping creation every time I have reverence for for any aspect. I'm worshiping God when I'm appreciating Rochelle, right? So, uh, reverence, and then the third, final, is knowing all that we possess with discipline. I had to think a little harder about that one. Knowing all that we possess. At my level, my evolving level of understanding where I am right now, subject to change this afternoon, what I hope, I hope, uh, what I believe this is saying is that it, it it is related to that piece I was saying about humility knowing all that we possess, stepping into our power, right? And having the discipline to notice when we're choosing something else for ourselves, to notice when we're, when we're not recognizing a powerful aspect that we do possess, when we're not actually claiming our full divine inheritance. The other aspect of this one is knowing what possesses us, right? I heard some mmms, we all know what that means. The stuff we do, we know we couldn't, we, the stuff we do, we know we could be doing better, right? Just being aware of that, I think it's important not to beat up, but there is a discipline. There is a discipline that comes with um, really advancing on a spiritual path, and sometimes it is not possessing so many things that keep us back. There's a, again, for those of you who who don't know, A Course in Miracles, this was really a trip for me to start working with A Course in Miracles because of my past. It is is alleged to be um, Jesus channeling through this woman who was a psychiatrist um, and an atheist. It's very interesting. There's more to that story, not for today. But it was hard for me because I hadn't had a relationship with this Jesus thing in a long time because of what I had come through. But the, but the power of the course just kept calling me and I stayed with it and now I'm, I'm totally over myself with it. But um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a passage in there where this Jesus being, this spiritual being is saying, look, everything that I am, everything that I possess, you are too. It's just I don't have anything else. Meaning this, this, this entity had, had been able to drop the unuseful aspects of ego 
and of limited thinking and of the stuff that, that in our human selves holds us back. And I also want to put one more piece about this concept of possessions. In, in, in some of my unity studies, I've worked with, you, you, prosperity is a part of, I'm on the ministerial path and prosperity is a part of the program there. It's a, it's a fundamental piece of our unity and new thought philosophy. Well, Walter Lanyon, I've mentioned him before, he's born in the 1800s, he's long past, but he's become one of my favorite new thought authors and teachers. And from him I first learned, and then I've now had other teachers um, also put forward this concept that when we are in the mindset of possessing things, we're actually blocking our, our flow of prosperity. When we're in the mindset, and this is a very Western cultural mindset, this is mine, that is yours, mine, yours, the, also the mindset of accumulation, that accumulation is good, I'm not saying it's not, there's a balance there, right? But when we're, when we're in a possessions mindset, we're forgetting that if indeed we all are interconnected, we all are one, then we actually have access to everything that is. Does that make any sense? That's a powerful application for um, prosperity that is re relatively new to me that I am still working with, but I wanted to share that concept today. To make this point, um, shout out to our Andy Cardwell, who is stepping up as our community engager in, this, in the things that we're doing with the um, social and environmental outreach work that we're doing. And she let us know that um, the Shepherd's House this last Saturday had, they were doing a clothing drive, you, many of you probably saw the notice of that, uh, to get warm stuff for people who were experiencing houselessness. And you all know this feeling I pulled it, I don't keep a lot of stuff because I have a small house, but I had several things in my closet, socks in the drawer that I, that I liked, but I haven't worn them in God knows how long. So I pulled those out and I dropped them off. I gave those possessions away and I guarantee that I got more joy out of that five minutes of handing those possessions over than I would have had keeping those possessions in my possession in my closet not being used. It's just a concept of flow, and I know it's not you, new to many of you. One of the things that I so love about unity is that it is not a dogma. It's a mindset. It's a powerful, intentional, positive mindset. That's been incredibly um, healing to me. And our Unity New Thought Movement itself is ever evolving. In, in, the, in the Bowl of Light book, this elder says, you know, spirituality is not a noun. It's a verb. It's a process. It's ever evolving, as is our movement. And each of you here and each of you listening, you're part of this ever evolving Unity movement. So, I again just hope that um, this little talk today, land some nuggets with some of you. And in closing, I wanna share something else, and um, I'm, I was really thinking of the Kubotas when I, when I learned this recently. In Hawaii, you say aloha as a hello, and you say aloha as a goodbye, right? The word aloha is very interesting. 
because alo means face to face and ha means divinity. Aloha, I, hello, I am face to face with divinity. Aloha, goodbye, I'm seeing the divinity in you as we're parting. So with that, I just wanna say to you all, aloha.